Welcome to No Baller. I'm Chris Rawl. It is Monday, July 26th. The weekend is over. It is time to work on today's show. The capacity to change and the golfing approach of Bryson DeChambeau. Before we get there, I want to talk about sports gambling because I haven't been doing it. Because there's nothing to gamble on. I don't care about the Olympics. I don't care about regular season baseball right now. I'm in a state of crisis. And I had to go back and look at week zero college football lines just to feel something about the state of the world anymore. So I circled around UCLA, Hawaii, August 28th. And I said, you know what? Just because I need to feel again, I'm going to go and I'm going to put a little money on Hawaii plus 17. Rainbow Warrior football. I'm betting over a month in advance because that's what this time of the sports calendar has forced my hand to do. We need football back in our lives. I'm counting down the days. It's going to be fantastic when it's here. Right now, without it being here, uh, it's just it's a kind of a sad story. But we do have the opportunity to gamble, even if we have to wait a month in order to hopefully cash our bet. So why should gambling be legal in the state of Utah? Because it will make you fired up for Rainbow Warriors football with... The game's still over one month away. And now a word from our sponsor, Traeger Grills. With your Traeger invented the original wood-fired grill over 30 years ago in Mount Angel, Oregon. They continue to lead the industry as the world's number one selling wood-fired grill, perfected by decades of mastering the craft of wood-fired cooking. You can find out more at TraegerGrills.com. One of my favorite TV shows of all time is The Sopranos. Um, it's probably the original flagship drama for HBO within the last 20 years. It's awesome. And it explores a lot of high-level themes. Uh, and one of the main themes of that show is an exploration of whether or not change is possible. Uh, the capacity... For change within an individual human being, you know, can you become something else or are you always going to revert back to whatever you are at your core? And it's a very interesting examination uh, and the way that the show does it, I think is brilliant. And they have a very specific take on that question and whether or not change is possible, whether or not you can become something different from what you are uh, deep inside yourself. And when we widen it up and say, how does this apply to the world of sports? I think the question is still very, very interesting and still kind of ambiguous in certain ways. I want to talk today about golf and when it comes to the capacity to change within that sport specifically. And I look at this in two ways, the physical side and the mental side, both very, very hard to do. Um, but one, I think, is more plausible than the other. We start with the physical side, which I can speak to on my own behalf as an amateur golfer. Just the act of changing your swing in golf. When I started, I hit the ball a certain way. It was more of a whiff, and I would just push the ball out there. And I got better in other areas, enough to where I could shoot within the 80s. And so then I looked around at a lot of the people I was playing with who were scratch golfers, and I said, why does... The ball sound different when it comes off your club than me. Why do you hit the ball significantly further with an eight iron than I hit the ball? And so one of my friends, you know, he goes, well, I can see that you're invested in getting better at this sport. Uh, and I can show you how to hit this ball similar to how I hit it. But you also need to know that you're going to have to tear down everything that you currently have. 
you have a way that you think in your mind, naturally you should swing a golf club and you've been able to get better doing that, but your ceiling is clearly defined with the way that you hit a golf ball. You don't compress the ball, you whiff it. And I can show you how to compress it, but it's going to be a lot of work and you're going to have to bite the bullet for a while because yeah, you can shoot 85 right now, uh, but implementing a swing change in the world of golf it's a lot harder than going on the range for a couple days and saying, I'm ready to go. I got a new swing. And then going out and showing uh, that swing change. So I say, all right, I'm committed to it because I want to shoot scores in the 70s and I want to shoot scores in the 60s. So how do I do it? So he shows me and I hit some on the range and I go, I know how to compress a ball. This is going to be amazing. I'm going to go on the course and I'm going to be significantly better. And now I'm going to shoot scores in the 70s immediately. And that's not how that works. Uh, it's months and months and months and months and months of work. Every single day I would go and every single day I would go and play money games outside of my own swing work. Uh, and I had to bite the bullet because now I'm trying to implement something that is contrary to how my brain and body already think and respond. And what was an 85 is now 103 and now it's a 98 and now it's a 99 and I'm losing money every single day. And I'm having to trust within this vision and this process of I know how to do this off the course. Uh, it's not consistent, but I actually have the knowledge of how to hit an eight iron and compress the ball. So how do I change enough to where this manifests itself on the course? My scores balloon for a, a long period of time, but over the course of time, they start slowly coming back down. And then, you know, there's, it's not a, a one-day breakthrough, but it's just this process of a lot of work uh, in order to change something about yourself. And so I see that, you know, over the course of, let's say, a year and over the course of years to where now I go, okay, that was definitely worthwhile and it was very hard to do, but I put it into action over and over and over again on the course itself, not just on the range, which are two very different things. And now I can kind of reap the fruits of that labor. That's one way that change occurs. And again, it's not easy in that specific way. There are ways that you can change in life that are a lot easier. I can start setting my alarm at uh, 5.30 a.m. and my body will adapt pretty quickly to waking up at that time. And then it will just become natural sooner rather than later. That's an easy way that the human body can change. A golf swing, uh, that's a lot harder, but it's still possible. You know, I am living proof of that and I'm by no means some transcendent uh, golfer. It's just... It requires work and it requires trust in yourself and the vision that you have in place. And then on the really hard side of the scale and one that I think is very interesting and I don't have a fully defined answer on what I personally believe is the mental side and the emotional side and who you actually are at your core as a human being and how that relates to golf. I think about that question in terms of cheaters in golf. Something that I've really butted my head against over the course of my golf career, and it's really frustrated me coming across it time and again through people that I know and people that I don't know within just money games that I play or within tournaments that I play in. And it's significantly more prominent than I would have thought going into golf. And now I've seen it happen time and time again. And I've thought about this a lot on my side. And I've thought about this capacity to change. And people who get caught when they cheat within the world of golf – is it something that you will always revert back to? Is it something that if I turn you loose in a hazard and there's nobody watching that you will put a ball down or you will bump your ball? Or is it possible to change that part of you? 
the part that for whatever reason convinced you I want to cheat to try to win 15 extra dollars in a money game or I want to try to win $100 extra in store credit? Is that something you will always be? And I don't have a fully defined answer to that. And again, that's something that I think about constantly because of how prominent it is within the world of amateur golf. But it's an interesting examination of change within the world of golf and also on a human scale. So I will move this discussion and broaden it out. We'll stay within the world of golf, but I want to talk about one player specifically who is probably the biggest buffoon in golf right now, Bryson DeChambeau, but who has also followed a very interesting arc when it comes to the capacity change and one that is still undecided in certain ways moving forward. So I, I want to start with a quote from Eamon Lynch of Golf Week when it comes to DeChambeau. Back in 2015, a college coach told golf reporter, Golf Channel reporter Ryan Lavner that within five years, Bryson DeChambeau, who had just won the U.S. Amateur, would either be number one in the world or in a straitjacket. That DeChambeau currently occupies neither position isn't to say that both are now beyond the realm of possibility. It simply varies by the week which outcome he seems to advance toward. End quote. So we'll start with this time frame. Back in 2015, DeChambeau, fantastic collegiate golfer. He becomes the fifth player in golf history to win the NCAA Individual Championship when he's with SMU and the U.S. Amateur. And at the time, he's just kind of this little nerd baller. He wears the goofy hat. He's a little scrawny guy. He's spouting off, uh, you know, all of this strange nonsense that he's some sort of physics professor and he projects this kind of know-it-all attitude and I'm the smartest guy in the room. And at the time, no one really knows anything about him. So we just kind of go, huh, maybe he is. Who knows? We don't know anything about this guy. So he transitions to becoming a professional. And in 2017, he has his first PGA Tour victory at the John Deere Classic. So we already know that Bryson DeChambeau has immense gifts because he's already won a PGA Tour event at this point in time. He's won the NCAA Individual Championship. He's won the U.S. Amateur. Um, and during this season, 2017 PGA Tour season, he finishes 35th in strokes gained off the tee, 0.42 per round. He finishes 45th in driving distance, just a sliver under 300 yards per drive. And he finishes 145th on the PGA Tour in strokes gained putting, minus 0.19 strokes per round. Okay? So you see some of the foundational pieces of DeChambeau's game at this time. Reasonable off the tee, very reasonable, top 35 in the world, reasonable in driving distance, and not good as a putter. Okay? So we're starting to get a greater sense of DeChambeau the golfer at this time, and especially in the next couple of years. Uh, we start to know, okay... This guy does project the know-it-all attitude, uh, and that might be more just hot air than anything. It seems like he's more than willing to stick his neck out there on behalf of his ideas in a way that I do actually think is kind of cool, even if some of the ideas are just these crack brain ideas that he says, nope, this is 100% fact, and I don't care what science says, and I don't care what golf manufacturers say. I'm right, and they're wrong. I do like his ability and willingness to think outside the box in a sport that is not known for that. So he has all these ideas that he's throwing at the dartboard, you know, a lot of them that set outside of golf norms. He's got the larger grips. He goes to the same size irons. He's willing to try out side saddle putting, even though he looks like a goober. Uh, he settles on the arm lock putting. He, wear, he continues to wear the goofy ass hat. 
something that I personally don't agree with, but he seems really, really in love with. So going into the 2020 season, he's now accumulated five PGA Tour wins with this specific approach. And the pandemic hits. COVID-19. And during this pandemic, DeChambeau correctly identifies that more success on the PGA Tour, and by more I mean major championships, is correlated directly with length. So, you know, you want to break it down into a DeChambeau-like formula. You say, I get more mass on my body, I increase my swing speed, and that equals a clear path to contention at the majority of PGA Tour stops, and especially at a place like the U.S. Open, major championship. So at this time, he's leaning into this, and it shines an interesting light on two issues within the world of golf. It really brings into focus issues on the technological side, essentially just how much is too much. Um, How far do we want these people hitting it? How hot do we want these faces made by driver manufacturers or by iron manufacturers? Is it cool that they can make these enormous faces that hit the ball a gazillion yards and have no mishit spot? Is that good for the game? And then the second thing, course setups themselves. Um, Why are so many tour stops simply about length and long rough and throwing darts at a dartboard on the green uh, and decreasing a lot of the unknowability that I think a lot of golf fans and golfers in general crave and love. So he comes back from the pandemic and his changes at this point physically are well-documented. Just beefcake city. Big, brawny guy. He's got the big arms. He's got the big neck. He's, he looks even goofier than he looked as a skinny guy. He's implementing the weightlifter driving routine where he's hemming and hawing and heaving and hoeing and grunting and groaning and he's rocking and he's smashing the ball, right? It's a combination of high comedy because you can't watch it and not just laugh out loud, especially knowing where DeChambeau came from a guy who looked kind of like me and is now this just beef to the maximum degree, but lost in the shuffle of that absurdity is that the bet on length was correct. Um, And he committed to drastically changing the way that he golfs on the physical side. So this results in the high point of his career so far. 2020 U.S. Open victory at winged foot bamboozles the field by six shots. Um, And the way that he has now transformed his game into being is perfect for the U.S. Open and the U.S. Open setup where it's about length and it's about ability to create swing speed when you miss the fairway, which inevitably everyone will do. So Bryson, again, this is... Him understanding in advance that this will be to his advantage. And we really saw this at winged foot. And even myself, somebody who follows stuff like this, I wasn't fully aware of the extent of this advantage until I watched it play out at winged foot. Because I go, well, yeah, he's still going to miss fairways if he's just blowing his driver all over planet Earth. And so he's still going to have to hack it out of the rough. And what I discounted was these fairways are so narrow and they're set up to make everybody miss. So if Bryson is hitting a shot out of the rough from 130 yards compared to a lot of other players within the field who are hitting shots out of the rough from 180 yards, that is an enormous advantage. And that's how this tournament played out. So again, Bryson is 
a buffoon and he says stuff over and over that is so dumb. And he projects this know-it-all attitude. A lot of stuff that turns people off, myself included. I don't necessarily have a lot of love in my heart for the guy when it comes to his public-facing persona. However, when it comes to the issue and the question of change within the world of golf, he's an interesting examination because he has implemented enormous changes in his own game in order to be more successful on the PGA Tour because they set up courses to favor this style of play and at certain majors, especially the U.S. Open, where he has now won. So you get to the end of the season in 2020, and we look at those same stats from just three years prior with DeChambeau. And now he's first in strokes gained off the tee, 1.04 per round. He's first in total driving distance, 322 yards per drive, 23-yard jump. And he's 10th in strokes gained putting at .658 per round. Now, this is one that's always kind of pushed to the side because, I don't know, it could be a Cobra marketing ploy, his uh, sponsor. And it could be just people think that hitting the ball far is really cool. But simultaneous to this wholesale change on the length and the beef side was a commitment to arm lock putting. And I'm going to practice this over and over. I'm going to get better at it. And I'm going to become a top 10 putter in 2020, according to Strokes Gained. Whereas three years ago, I was 145th in the world. Again, that kind of stuff it, it, I like, and I think it's incredible. And for me, the amateur golfer, it's inspirational because I go, mm, change is very possible when it comes to the physical side of golf. Yes, I guarantee you he had to put in an incredible amount of work. Um, but he also is showing that I can become a better putter. I can add length and driving distance and strokes gained off the tee. Uh, it's commitment to wholesale change. From a physical standpoint, implementing it and then seeing the fruits of your labors there. So then we flip to the other side. And the side that I think right now in present day is much more interesting when it comes to the examination of DeChambeau. And actually, just it's the most interesting part when it comes to the examination of golf and the human psyche. It's the mental side. And it's the question of can you change the way that you naturally think and react? We go back to the Soprano stuff at the start, you know. What you are at your core, is that changeable? Uh, within the world of golf, we have Bryson, who, again, the know-it-all. Uh, he projects that he's the smartest man in the room. He's calling out golf manufacturers for not knowing what they're doing. He's calling out physicists for not understanding that well actually the pin being in when you put it is good and i know why and you guys don't even though you've done a bunch of studies them and published them in scientific journals uh bryson he's the guy who goes i can control everything in golf that's just a natural part of who he is is that part changeable so uh, your question probably is well do you want to change that you know the guy already has a bunch of pga tour victories he's won a major championship however Within the last couple of weeks, we watch him at the British Open, and he was one of the main stories coming out of that tournament for not good reasons. I want to read a quote from Eamon Lynch of Golf Week that talks about this, the struggles that Bryson has at setups where you can't control everything, that are unknowable, that... The British Open really leans into, uh, and the idea that how does the self-proclaimed smartest man in the room deal with a sport that when it's outside the world of the PGA Tour, 
and sometimes on it, honestly, but most times off of it. How do you deal with a sport that thrives off of unpredictability? And that really comes to light at the British Open. So this is Eamon. It's not a surprise that DeChambeau's short fuse was lit at Royal St. George's. Lynx golf often corrodes whatever psychological shield a golfer has constructed. Each capricious bounce or ill-timed gust of wind like a drop of acid rain. There's a reason why players like Tom Watson and Nick Faldo won the Open while guys like Bubba Watson and Sergio Garcia have not. The golf we see weekly on the PGA Tour is a one-dimensional test of execution, and those who play for a paycheck prize that simplicity. Lynx golf, however, also tests imagination, perseverance, and patience. Those are exam papers suited to Stoics, but not to the emotionally volatile. Thus, one Watson, Tom, has five claret jugs to go with his two green jackets, while his namesake, Bubba, has none. End quote. So I love so many things within this paragraph. I love the comparison of just emotional and mental approaches to golf and how that can separate the very best golfers in the world depending upon the event and the course setup. You look at the guys like Faldo and Tom Watson, you bunch of claret jugs between them. Uh, two great golfers at the Open itself. And you look at Bubba Watson and Sergio Garcia, who have had great careers in their own right. Both of them major champions. Both have won at the Masters. Both have won uh, a bunch on the PGA Tour. But there's a certain style of golf that if you're trying to create a well-rounded game, sooner or later you're going to have to embrace a lot of this unpredictability. And you can't be the emotionally volatile uh, person that you have always been. Sergio, it's the crybaby, the dude who just can't let a bad bounce go. I know people like that within my own amateur golfing career, and it hinders their ability to play golf in certain formats and tournaments because you hit a shot that you think is perfect and it's not, and now your round is derailed because you can't let it go, and that's all you want to talk about and focus on. And you're three holes later, and you're still sitting there talking about the seven iron that you hit that should have been stuffed for birdie, and instead you made a bogey because it bounced over here, and then you didn't get up and down. Um... That's what these people are at their core. And the really interesting question when you examine golf and you, in, and you examine the capacity of people to change is, is it possible to change that? Are you are what you are? Or can you reach into your heart and your mind and your soul and say, okay, in order to be successful in certain capacities, I can't be what I've been before. The natural way that I think and react, I can't necessarily survive like that playing Lynx golf. So we go back to DeChambeau, who on the physical side, wholesale change and done so in a very effective manner. Changes how he drives the ball. Now he's the best in the world on the PGA Tour at that. Changed how he putts. And now he's top 20 putter on the PGA Tour simply because he's put in work and time and has embraced this process and this vision about change. But on the mental side, the thing that a lot of people think is holding it back, there's been so many things written about this. It's the emotion. It's the mental side. It's can he change his mindset that is actually needed to play different styles of golf courses that really embrace this unknowable, unpredictable side of golf, the side that Bryson has shown up until this point not only an inability to master, but an inability to even comprehend it. And when it's happening, 
his mind just explodes. All the little gears up top, they just start cranking and creaking. And then the next thing you know, poof, and he's shooting a 44 on the back nine at the U.S. Open earlier this year when he's in the lead. And he's just melting down over the first two days at the British Open this year. Can you change that mindset? I want to read one more quote from Bob Herrig of ESPN about DeChambeau, him at the Open. And this was after his fourth day, which he actually shot a 65 on the final day at the Open. This was just DeChambeau's fourth Open. And he admitted it is the major championship that challenges him the most. Definitely my wedges, DeChambeau said about the weak part of his game this week. And also the strategy. Trying wedges and also the strategy. Trying to understand how to play to certain parts of the fairway so I can get to certain pins effectively. I didn't do that the first few days. Started to learn yesterday. Today, I feel pretty comfortable even with the wind switching completely. It was kind of good to navigate my way around the golf course. End quote. So, admission and understanding is not the same as implementation of change. Uh, I think a lot of people can recognize things about themselves and either be unable or unwilling to change that. That extends in a variety of ways. I can understand that I want to be healthier, but that's different from actually implementing a diet and an exercise regimen and going to sleep on time and all that kind of stuff. Those are two very different things. Something that I want to change about myself and something that I'm willing to change about myself. The actual implementation is much, much, much harder. And I hear quotes like this from DeChambeau, where he says words like strategy and navigate. And uh, I'm trying to actually understand these angles that I can get to certain pins more effectively. These are not words within the DeChambeau lexicon. And you can't really ever tell if he's just saying these things because he knows that people want to hear him say that and think, oh, maybe this 65 on the final day that moved him up into the mid-30s for his finish, maybe this is a sign of change. Maybe this is a sign that he's willing to engage with the more noble side of golf, that he's willing to say, this is a flaw within my game, especially when I want to be a more well-rounded golfer and succeed at all four majors. Maybe this is something that I need to start tinkering with in a way that I've done in the past with how I drive, how I putt. Um, maybe there's a side of golf that is different from just this Monster Mash brand that I've not necessarily perfected, but really become very good at. And at times he can just overwhelm a field like he did at the 2020 US Open, strictly on the backs of beef and bash golf. So all of this stuff, it circles back to the theme, the question of this show, uh, the question moving forward of DeChambeau's career, the question within each of our own lives when it comes to just the things that we want to change about ourselves and whether or not those things are possible. So we return to that question. As DeChambeau, he continues to shape his physical and more importantly for him, his mental approach to the game of golf. To what extent is change possible? Thank you for listening to No Baller. This show is produced by Weston Tanner and can be consumed in a variety of ways. You can download it as a podcast on Apple, Google, Spotify, or the platform of your choice. You can also view it in video form via the Beehive TV app, which can be downloaded on Apple, Google, Roku, and Amazon Fire. 
For more information, go to noballer.com.